Welcome to the Nightmare Emporium. Here we take a deep dive into some grisly tales that are bound to make you lose your head. Now, let's check in with our host, the macabre Marvel herself, to see what she has in store for us this week. <laughs> just a story we tell to scare children, but I'm here to tell you not to believe a word of that. You would do well to beware the Yule Cat, no matter what they say. My cousins and I grew up in the Icelandic countryside and spent most of our lives within a stone's throw of our birthplace. For two weeks in December, my saintly grandmother would welcome us into her home so my parents could go Christmas shopping or just have some time to themselves. She always invited all of my cousins as well, a brood of eight when we were all assembled, and many nights after Granddad had made excuses for going off to the pub, Grandma would gather us around the fire and tell us stories. Stories about fairies, Queen Mob and her ilk, and of the elves and darker things that had once been a part of the landscape. She told us stories of Icelandic heroes and filled our dreams with monsters that begged to be slain as we took on our favorite champion's roles. But especially around the Christmas season, her favorite story was the Yule Cat. He's a giant creature capable of stepping over palaces and creeping into tall buildings. He punishes the lazy and rewards those who work hard and do their work year round. If you neglect your duties, the Yule Cat will find your children, never doubt. His favorite meal is children without new clothes in winter, their parents having spent their summers at leisure. Thankless children he hates as well, and those who scorn their parents' work in favor of frivolous things. So be thankful, my children, that your parents work hard to keep such dark things away. Most of her stories about the Yule Cat involve naughty children who went to the woods at night, spoiled children whose parents found that the Yule Cat had dragged them out of their window and gobbled them up, and good children who went rushing home on Christmas Eve to get their clothing gifts before the Yule Cat could get them. My little brother Sven always held a deep fear of the Yule Cat, but I honestly never remember a time when I was afraid of it. It always seemed goofy to me, and in my head I just imagined a cat with giant legs that looked like big noodles its body way high in the air, and the legs just wiggling around beneath it. I had drawn a picture of it for my grandmother once, and she only smiled and ruffled my hair. Let us hope that if the Yule Cat finds you, he is as silly as you think he is. I had smiled about the idea of meeting the Yule Cat then, thinking of all the monsters and beasts my cousins and I had slain in our dreams. I'm not smiling as I write this to you. I came to live with my grandparents when I was 15. My mother and father were killed in a car accident when a semi-truck slid on the ice and hit them head on. They say they died instantly, but all I knew was that Sven and I were suddenly without parents. There was never any question where we would go, of course. My grandmother opened her home to us without a second thought. And... With my grandpa already three years in his grave, she said it would be nice to have some company. 
I lived with her until I was 23, attending university and getting my degree so I could begin a career in architecture, and then taking up residence in my parents' old house so I could maintain the family homestead. The house was on my grandparents' land, so it wasn't as though we had never been back. Sven didn't like to go back to our old home, claiming there were too many memories there, and that my grandmother sheltered him quite a bit. When I moved back, I invited him to come live with me, but he declined. He was 17 and showed none of my drive. I was worried that if he stayed, my grandmother would coddle him forever, but that was his decision to make. I decorated my old home like it was my first Christmas, the lights and decorations still in the crawl space as they had always been, and my house had shone out against the darkness like a beacon. My tree stood in full view in the window, and I had brought presents for everyone. I'd spent much of my life without money, and now that I had a lucrative job, I decided to take advantage of the holiday season and spoil my relatives a bit. I was sitting snug by the fire, a cup of spiced hot chocolate in my hand, and a slight buzz when my phone rang. My grandma's smiling face showed from my home screen, and I picked it up as I tried to compose my voice. Grandma was used to people being a little drunk. My granddad had been pickled more than sober in his life. But I was still at that age where I was self-conscious about her seeing me like that. I answered the phone, and she immediately started in without greeting. Karen, you've not been by to pick up your Yule clothes. You need to come back now. I wasn't used to my grandmother being so forceful. She was usually very mild, but she seemed upset about this to an irrational level. Tomorrow was Christmas Day when all my cousins and their families gathered for presents at my grandmother's traditional Christmas feast. What Grandma was referring to was her tradition of giving us clothes to keep the Yule cat away. This was my first Christmas away from home. I usually got them from Grandma when I woke up on the 23rd, but I guess since I, I'd missed it when I moved out. Oh, it's okay, Grim. I'll just get them tomorrow. I'll be there with the others and you can give them to me then. No, you must come and get them now and hurry. I need you here before the sun goes down or the Yule Cat will get you. I rolled my eyes. Gran, I think the Yule Cat will understand if I don't want to go out in the snow to get clothes. Can't I just come by tomorrow? Her voice went from severe matriarch to a pleading older woman in the blink of an eye. Please. It's your first time away from home, and I want you to be safe. I can leave them on the porch if you don't have time to come in, but please come and get them, please. She sounded so scared that I couldn't help but agree. I told her I would get dressed and drive over before sunset, and she sighed in relief and thanked me. I dressed warmly in my snow pants and heavy coat. My muffler and gloves came on next, along with a pair of snow boots and a flashlight just in case. All of this went on over whatever I was already wearing, jeans and a t-shirt and thick socks, and I stepped out into the ankle-deep snow. I put a hand on my old Jeep, but then decided against it. My head was still a little sloshy, and I knew it would only take a few minutes with the heat blasting before I'd be asleep and sliding on the icy road. Instead, I decided to walk. My grandmother's house was only about two miles from mine, and the bracing cold would sober me up a little. I set off towards the woods that separated her house from mine. 
Every time I walk these familiar trails, I feel like I should be scattering breadcrumbs behind me. My grandmother's house lies sheltered in the woods, and they always feel so dense and foreboding whenever I have to walk through them. The snow and the cold made them quiet, the birds having left and many of the animals asleep for the winter. But the tracks told me that there were indeed things out here. My legs started to get tired almost at once. If you've never had to slog through deep snow, then I can tell you it isn't much fun. The sun was going down, and I began to regret not taking my truck. I could hear the snow making the trees crack and sag, and now and again there was a scurry of movement, as if some small creatures were trying to get home. Other than the occasional noise, it was as though I had the forest to myself, and my loud footsteps made me feel like the last person on earth. When I heard the snow crunch nearby, I swung around to see what was there. The noise had startled me. My own feet were the only thing making much noise out here. But then I found nothing out there. Nothing that would make that noise, that is. From the sound of the crunch, I would have thought a reindeer or maybe a clumsy squirrel had fallen from a tree. In the dim light, I couldn't see if there were prints, and I started slogging a little faster, worried it might be a wolf or something. The crunching came again, but I shrugged it off as my mind playing tricks. When it crunched again, closer this time, I started moving even faster. Going too fast would be a great way to break an ankle or fall and impale myself on a tree limb. But the crunching and lack of a source was starting to freak me out. The snowing sky was already overcast, and the sun was setting behind the trees. The thought of being out here after dark made my skin crawl, and the thought of getting lost in a stretch of woods that I'd be unable to navigate once the sun set made me quicken my pace again. My footsteps were loud, cutting through the silence like a foghorn, but somehow I could still hear the steps behind me as I nearly jogged through the ankle-deep snow. What I thought might have been a reindeer or a wolf now sounded like something much larger. It was very rare, but polar bears sometimes got stuck on ice floes and found their way here. I'd seen something about it online, I thought, and I could just see a big hungry polar bear lopping along behind me as he prepared to make a quick meal out of me. I didn't dare look back as I heard the crunch come down not eight feet behind me. It hit the ground hard enough to dislodge snow from the trees, and I started booking it the best I could. What was that? Iceland doesn't have a lot of large predators, none that would come this close to settled areas, and my mind began to travel back to a time when I was young and sitting warm around my grandmother's fire. My cousins and I had always loved the stories of trolls and elves, great heroes who slew the former and were aided by the latter, and we always took up sticks when we played and pretended to swing mighty swords at the knees of ugly hulking trolls. The idea of being devoured by a large and slavering troll, my mind showing me that one from Harry Potter, seemed less fun now when I was being chased by one in a fairy tale forest. I glanced behind me in a blind panic, not wanting to see but wanting to know nonetheless, and I felt my boot sink into a hole. I went down face first into the snow and nearly head first into a tree and rolled over to face whatever was surely now going to get me. 
My ancestors had been the men who settled this land, men who rode into these shores in boats with axes and tamed the wilderness, and I would not die with my head in the snow like a blubbering baby. What I saw looming over me was no troll. What I saw looming over me was so much worse. When I had drawn him, I'd made his legs long and wavy like noodles. I'd drawn him with a tabby cat coat and a pair of big, friendly yellow eyes. He'd been given the Cheshire cat's grin and a pair of pointy ears that made him look like a little Batman. He'd look friendly, goofy, something a child wouldn't possibly be afraid of. The Yule cat, for that, was the only thing it could be, was none of these things. His coat was black as twice-baked charcoal, and his bones and muscles seemed to shift beneath them, like there was something living just under its skin. Its legs were long and powerful, like a panther or a jaguar, and its paws left tracks as big as hubcaps, with claws like stilettos. His mouth was filled with two big teeth, and the tip seemed to poke its lip painfully as its slaver ran pink. Its ears had been mostly chewed off, sitting on its head like rounded nubs that barely seemed big enough for it to be ears at all. Its eyes, though, were the worst. Its yellow eyes blazed like torches, their centers crackling red, when it loosened a long yowl. I was saved by pure, dumb luck. Its howl had loosened some snow from a tree over my head, and when it fell it coated the Yule Cat's face in a cold blanket of surprise. I rolled away, and as I did, the beast lunged at me and ran smack into the tree I had nearly fallen into. It yowled again, angry, and its claws sounded as if they were shredding the tree to pieces. I couldn't tell you if they did or didn't. I was already running through the snow like a reindeer, churning it up as my fear gave me new purpose. I could see the smoke from Grandma's chimney, but I knew I had to be almost a quarter mile from the house. The shadows were gathering, and I knew I was dead as soon as this thing got its bearings. When it came after me this time, I realized it had been playing with me before. Its crunching steps sounded dinosaur, and it cleared the distance between us easily. It swiped at me as I ran, and the claws slid easily through my thick jacket. My back suddenly felt cold as the goose down spilled out of it, and I began to realize I was running on borrowed time. I had to find some way to lose it. I had to find some way to use its size against it. I needed a place to hide and catch my breath, my lungs burning, and my head swimming with exertion. That's when I realized where I, where I was. When we were children, there was a tall tree that we used as a landmark. We called it the Sky Tree because it always seemed like it was soaring up into the clouds. My older cousins and I had hiked to the tree once, nearly a quarter mile into the woods, and found that the roots lived up to its name. It was massive, 60 feet of wood-like iron, and beneath it was a series of roots that looked like a cage. The soil had pulled away from them, and as kids, we would crawl underneath the tree and camp in relative comfort. The spot was large for children, but would be snug for me. I was hoping it would be too snug for the Hellcat as well. I booked it, running flat out, and the tree soared up to greet me. I jumped over a sprawl of fallen trees, something I remembered from childhood, and prayed that maybe the cat wouldn't be so lucky. When I heard him hiss and stumble a moment later, I knew that luck was with me. 
I didn't look to see how badly he had spilled. I fell on my belly and prayed I had the ankle right as I slid between the roots of the large tree. I thumped my shoulder, the rough roots hurting as I hit them. But I made it mostly under as the cat scrambled after me. I winced as his claws caught my leg, ripping through the snow pants and jeans to sink its into the meat. But I shook him off before he could pull me out and was soon snug beneath the wooden canopy of the large old tree. The underside was just as I remembered it. It was damp from snow runoff, but the frozen snow had mostly covered it, so I was left in a crystal world domed by white. The cat screamed in agony, shooting a paw from between the roots and searching for me in frustration. I huddled against the side of the tree, not wanting to be found by those huge claws, and stayed as still and quiet as I could. The scrambling went on for what seemed like hours, until finally the cat removed his paw and I heard it crunching off into the forest. I stayed still, fearing some trick, but it went right on moving until I heard its heavy footsteps as only slight crunches in the distance. I stayed put, though, blowing on my hands until my bleeding leg made me begin to shiver. I would freeze to death out here if I stayed too long, but I was afraid that the Yule Cat might double back and wait for me to leave. I stayed shivering as long as I could, feeling the temperature drop as the sun crept slower to down. And finally, I decided I'd rather be eaten than freeze to death. I crawled out, and when I wasn't immediately set upon, I started stumbling towards my grandmother's house. She was waiting in the doorway for me, a mug of spiced cider in her hand and a concerned grimace for my many injuries. He found you out there, didn't he? It wasn't a question, but I nodded anyway. I'd been sitting by the fire, letting her feed and nurse me for the past few hours. She bandaged my leg and took my shredded clothes away. She set a plate of food in front of me, and when I finished the spice cider, she brought me tea and told me to rest. Before she went back to her room to sleep, she dropped a package in my lap. It was a new sheepskin coat, lovely to see and soft to touch couldn't imagine what it had cost her, though I knew what it had almost cost me. He won't bother you now, she said, and made her way to bed as I sat convulsing by the fire. So heed your elders when they tell you the old stories. I was lucky, but you can't always count on luck. The old cat still lurks in the hills and woods, searching for those he deems ungrateful and underdressed. Don't take the clothes you get for Christmas so lightly, because they could save your life if you find yourself in the sights of the Yule Cat. Well, well, wasn't that just a scream? Until next time, our fiendish friends, remember to stay scared, and sometimes it's more than just a story. <laughs>